0: I'd like to welcome John Henny from... You're not in LA now, are you? Or are you still?
1: I'm, I'm just outside about... Uh, well, in LA, you could say I'm 20 minutes outside, which at times of day could mean two hours.
0: Okay. Well, around that area, definitely California. <laughs> um, John and I have known each other for yes it's a while right
1: yeah it's a while about
0: 2004 or 5 we started off in sls in the organization sls organization um he'd already been uh involved in the organization for some time and then came along as an imt i can't remember what that stands for anymore but actually it was one of the teacher trainers and we i think it
1: was incredibly magnetic talent
0: I'm sure it was. Yes. Yes. And you used to come over to the UK and amuse us no end with your little misunderstandings of how the UK system works.
1: (laughs) I am the ugly American. (laughs) Yes. But
0: you're not really because you're Scottish as well.
1: Yeah, but uh, I'm just a bad traveller. I'm just confused as soon as I'm out of my element. It's confusing. (laughs)
0: Yes. Um, So there's a couple of anecdotes there that we do like to remind you about whenever you're over here again. And uh, (laughs) he does teacher training. He has his own um, studio uh, music school. And we're going to talk about that today and just talk about his journey in general. So, John, your journey into becoming a singing teacher hasn't actually been the traditional one, has it? No. A bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, if I go way, way back uh, to when I was a young boy, my my dad uh, was from Glasgow, Scotland, and he was just this natural musician and and great singer. And so, as a young child, I would I would try and sing, and I would say, "Dad, listen to my song," and I'd sing something, and and in his very caring, nurturing Scottish way, would say, "That's bloody terrible." So. <laughs> I kind of put singing uh, away and pursued the drums as uh, I think I started when I was about 11 years old playing the drums and got really into it, um, played professionally starting in my teens. And at a certain point realized, you know, I could probably get more gigs if I sung uh, backup. Let me, let me try this. And a friend of mine uh, was taking lessons and he goes, yeah, this guy studies with uh, Stevie wonder's teacher. And I went, Stevie wonder's good enough for me. Let me try this. So oh, my, my first, uh, first lessons were SLS in a sense. It wasn't called that. Um, and, I ended up moving, I started singing backup vocal, and then I started uh, fronting bands and uh, got signed to a, a small label record deal that uh, completely imploded. And uh, so I, I was I was a no-hit wonder. But uh, in the a- aftermath of that, I went, okay, I got offered uh, another deal to go on the road uh, as a drummer this time. And I thought, you know what, I'm starting to, I think I was in my later 20s i had kids by that point i'm like i don't want to be in a van with a bunch of guys and and uh i was with seth at this point and seth said why don't you teach and i said seth i don't know how to teach and he said well at the very least you won't hurt anybody and i went okay um let me try and i found that i i enjoyed it and kind of dove Head first into the whole teaching thing. Hmm. So I am a reformed drummer.
0: Do you ever play still? Do you have a kid?
1: Uh, there's a kid at the school, and I'll I'll bang around on it here or there. I, and it's it's funny, I can still actually play, which is surprising. Yeah. Right. So I moved from drummer to singer, and one day I'll try and be an actual musician. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm <bummed.
0: laughs> So what attracted you well, other than obviously someone referred you to having lessons with Seth, but what what attracted you to say the technique and why did you get involved in the organization aspect of it?
1: You know my story with that I didn't know any other technique it's 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 actually all i've I've ever truly formally studied, even though now i've gone and, and tried to expand um my knowledge of other techniques, et cetera. So to me, it was just this is this is how you sing. And you, you know, you just you you worked your mix and you adjusted vowels and and all these things and you avoided um you know I kind of got in the headspace that anything else was wrong, which mm-hmm. I've I've since pulled away from. But it was it was what I knew. And uh I as I began to teach I would just try these exercises and go, "Wow, that actually worked. Okay, that worked." I wasn't sure why they worked, but I just go, "I think I should do this here." And, "Oh, that helped." Um, I don't know if that answered the question.
0: Yeah, no it does. Okay. And so what's changed since then then?
1: Um, just looking for explanations as to why things happen and seeing that that people could sing in other ways and not necessarily you know their voice was voices wouldn't explode uh, they wouldn't uh, end up not being able to sing and uh, just just kind of being more open but I, I appreciate the grounding uh, that I got in SLS because I think it really gave me a good foundation. Um, from which to then go and acquire uh more knowledge or or broaden my horizons. Mm,
0: yeah. So do you, what would you say you teach now? How would how do you describe your methodology?
1: Oh well, that's a good question. I I basically call it uh contemporary singing. Um although I have worked with with some opera singers but that's not my my expertise. Mm. Um I, tr- I try and make it um, science-based to, to the extent that uh, I'm, I hope I'm not making things up. Uh, that was one of the, the weaknesses I felt, especially uh, when I was uh, awarded uh, the instructor management team, the IMT. And we would give reasons for things and I'd stop and think, wait, we're just saying that so because we're saying it so. We, we don't have any proof for that, mm. um, but a lot of, a lot of what I teach a lot of the the scales and the exercises are still would be very recognizable to SLS. Mm. It's maybe just more how I'm utilizing the information I receive from the student and um, considering why this is occurring and how I'm going to fix it. I think has mm. had a bit of a shift.
0: yeah. So, what happened when um, you left the organization? What what, what was your next step?
1: Uh, well, my next step, I I continued to teach uh, privately, and then um, I had this great idea to open up a, a music academy, and thought that hey, I've I've developed a bit of a reputation, and I think uh, you know I know how to do this, and I can attract. And I just went full tilt into a 2000 square foot facility. And I put a, a recording studio and a stage room and all these teaching rooms and I hired staff and I immediately began to lose money like a drunk person in Las Vegas. It was, it was crazy. And so, uh, what I did then is I went, okay, um, what do I know how to do? Because I can't teach enough private hours and run this thing to to stop this leak.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I started creating online content as as a way to uh, help uh, bolster the the school. But while I was doing that, I began to learn online marketing, and that actually helped me turn the the school around. So uh, since leaving SLS, I've I kind of. I, I lead a rather frenetic, confused existence of multiple businesses, but it's it's fun almost all the time.
0: So, what have you got? In what are you involved in then? So, you've got but your so, music school.
1: Yeah, I have my I have my music academy. Um, I do still teach privately, but but less these days. Um, and then I have uh, online training programs. And even though I'm, I'm looking at the, at expanding those, uh, I first focused on uh, training other voice teachers and and showing people uh, practical vocal science I'm certainly not a vocal scientist, but hey this is what I think is what you need to understand in order to have it be practical for your teaching mm-hmm. and a certain level of understanding so I've created some some programs for that um, and again, uh, teacher training programs. I've started to uh, work with uh, speakers. I'm going back for a second time to uh, lead master classes for the US Navy um, for their executives, which was uh, very interesting. So there's no singing at all, mm. uh, although I'll use singing exercises to try and get them into their voice. But I'm starting to work more with uh, speakers
0: mm.
1: as well. So, so I think my next product, oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, how does that – I'm interested to know what, how you run a lesson then in, in that situation. Well, you know,
1: I try and make people aware of uh, uh, the music in their voice, um, and I'll explain that a, a great songwriter, a great producer, a great uh, singer will give the listener enough of the familiar – but then has to give them the unfamiliar to keep them interested. So in their speaking voice, if they just start to go into this monotonous drone, the, the, the human attention span is gone. We need, to, we need to get hit with new stimulus in order to, to hold our attention. And so I start to show people how uh, controlling their phrasing, their, their tempo, their range, their pitch, using accents, uh, all of these different things, dynamics can help um, grab an audience because these are, these are people in the Navy that are running huge departments and they have to not only uh, oversee a lot of employees, but they have to go into big high level meetings with presentations and convince people um, to uh okay budgets with expenditures of hundreds of millions of dollars.
2: Mm.
1: So it, it doesn't, it doesn't help to just be drony and boring if you mm. want to get somebody because people, the, the way we make decisions as they're finding out is decisions are made emotionally. And then we'll use our, our rational mind to um, justify, justify it. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. And, and you know, the voice goes right to those emotional centers.
0: Yeah. That's great. So um, there was another question I had in there. Let me ponder on that. Yep. Show sure speakers. No, it's gone. Oh well. <laughs> it was a really good one too. Uh, okay. So oh, so I remember you and I having a discussion about, um, and I want to talk about it, and no names need to be mentioned at all, but I do want to talk about finding the right kind of people to partner with. Because I know that there was a time when you uh, decided to go in with some other people into a studio mm-hmm. and it kind of fell apart and it seemed yep. like a really good out of the time. So what could, if, if someone's thinking about going into partnership in a studio or in business in any way, what have you learned from that experience that can help you to make the right decision or hope to minimize the wrong decisions.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll just tell you looking back at that and my own mistakes and part of that was my own weaknesses and perhaps um, I'll I'll use the word laziness or uh, yeah, I, I partnered with somebody who I knew wasn't a brilliant teacher, but was, was really good at, at networking and things. And I, I had this, and that's not my favorite thing to do, you know, and th- this person just had that ability to go out and just constantly sell themselves. Um, and I kind of had this idea of, hey, I'll kind of be the, the, the brains and the better voice teacher, and they'll be out there and be the, the salesperson. And what I saw them do was they, they would uh, utilize me to, you know, oh, well, why don't you write the course, but I'll be on the video. You know, you, you do the work, you do the work, but I'll grab all the high profile clients. And very, I should have more quickly seen, no, you know what? The, the, the mindset that made them uh, go out and be that self-promoter was also going to make them Want to constantly grab that pie for themselves. Uh, so you, you've really got to understand why you're going into business with somebody. I went into it because I didn't like the marketing aspect and I was just wanting someone else to do it for me. And that was my mistake. Mm. So I, I think you really need to go in um, with strengths, not with weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, I one of my favorite quotes, I believe uh, it's attributed to Maya Angelou, is when people show you who they are, believe them. You have to be, and you have to, when you go into a partnership, make sure you have an exit plan. Have it written out, you know, because things they can go bad, and when when businesses go bad, um, I've been divorced. And I've had businesses end badly. And I think there's almost more bitterness in a bad uh, business ending (laughs) than there is in a relationship.
0: I think it depends on the people.
1: It does.
0: (laughs) But I get what you mean. Yeah. And then what about the situation when you first went out to set up the um, music school? Where do you think you went wrong there?
1: Yeah, that was just me... Where I went wrong, um, and this is this is going to sound a little cynical, but it's but it's very true in business, um, whether I like it or not, is the best is often the least successful, and I didn't realize that it wasn't about building this great facility and really trying to provide the best voice lessons I could and and training my staff. It's about selling music lessons, especially on that level. When, when you have, um, what do I have four or five, six, when you have, you know, six teaching rooms and you're open all these hours a week, that's a, that's a lot of people that you have to bring in and it's it's not enough to just hang up your sign and and say look how great we are. Mm. And and that that was the thing that I I wish I had realized sooner is how much how much marketing uh would be involved.
0: So what would you advise somebody who is starting up their business whether it's uh just by themselves or going into something a bit
1: Yeah, uh two things Uh, study marketing and uh, right away start creating your authority in in putting out content Um, and start building your email lists uh, interact with your email list um, understand how uh, Facebook works because Facebook owns Instagram. Understand the the Facebook Pixel and get that on your site so that you can start tracking visitors and building audiences in Facebook that you can um, send ads to. And um, you know we're we're in a wonderful period where we can now create our own content and put it out there instantly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and you don't need to wait. Don't wait till you have your fancy high def camera or this or that, just take your smartphone, buy a lapel mic, plug it into the phone and and start creating video. Mm. Start writing, start writing every day, start writing content and and just get things out there. Because as people start to consume your content, whatever business it is that you're building, you start building authority and expertise. And then when you have something to sell, they're far more likely to buy it.
0: But a lot of us, students who come through best would be going well what do I know you know if if they it depends on what their background is but actually very experienced singers who then take up teaching they feel like they don't have the expertise or the authority to actually putting out content so how would you advise them
1: yeah every person that comes to teaching even if you don't have the experience in the mechanics of teaching quite yet there's something in your your history and your experience that is uh, somewhat unique to you and that other people need to learn from. And the one thing that you have is, is you. Only you are you. And there are people who will want to learn things from you. Not from me not from another teacher. They're going to connect with you because there's going to be something in your experience that they say, oh my gosh, I went through that as well. I, I actually worked in a function band for all these years, or uh, I toured as a backup singer, or I, I was in musical theater, or I struggled with auditions, or I have stage fright, all of these different things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what you need to do is—is is you really now need to start thinking about who your audience is, and and how you can help solve their problems.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and voice teaching, and I know voice teachers will will disagree with me on this. Some it it, it really isn't rocket science. You you will learn how to do this
2: mm.
1: if, if you just it's it's part knowledge and it's part experience but it's it's not some great mystical high level skill that you should be so intimidated to begin practicing mm. you just you just need to get in there and just start teaching mm. and you'll you'll fi- you'll find your lane and you'll you'll find if you're open to it you'll find what makes you unique, mm. and then you'll find your audience.
0: It's really funny because I was having a conversation the other day with somebody who's had some uh, contact with me through educational things and had one lesson, and she said uh, something about the fact that she said, well, I see you as one of the, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're the, the, the sort of person who only a professional goes to. <laughs> And I thought, gosh, how did people get, oh, how did she get that impression? Because I actually work with a wide range of, mm-hmm. of um, students. I tend to not work with a total hobbyist and beginner uh, these days, but that's because I'm doing less teaching. Um, but I just thought how interesting that I'd come across like that because I certainly don't see myself as that. Um, but obviously somewhere along the line I've done things or said things or, given out that impression um uh, one of the reasons i think she uh she quoted as being because of my price ah (laughs) and i thought "Mm." (laughs) that's interesting
1: yeah but well at look at a certain point um you you're only going to have so many hours and and your price is going to be reflective of it Mm. but yeah i'm sorry i'm not sure the point i'm gonna make yeah price price is a different is a different uh thing I, I you know i really realize that uh cheap teachers if that's what somebody wants or inexpensive that's fine but you know you're going to be, your price is commensurate with your experience and and you're gonna get results um a
0: Actually,
1: little that's faster
0: a question that we get a lot is how do i price myself
1: yeah Almost everybody underprices themselves, and 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 this is you know price is a unfortunately we can separate it from your skill level. Let's be honest. Um, we we all know voice teachers who are are very expensive and maybe have celebrity clientele, and they're I don't none, none of those teachers are horrible. But not all of them are great. Mm. Some of them are just kind of mediocre. Uh, but it's it's just the perception that they've created. It's it's the authority. It's it's um, and then you, you want to be careful about looking at what everyone else is charging and going. Well, I'm just beginning, so I'm going to put myself way down here because boy, the race to the bottom—you can never win. There's always going to be somebody less expensive. Um, so you you should be you know, if you're putting in the training, if you're taking the best courses and applying yourself, uh, you should at least be near the the top of what people are charging in your area. My music academy, I will tell you, uh, we are double what some of our competitors are because we don't we don't base our pricing on them we We just create. Um, a sense of, of value and worth and authority, and people pay it.
0: Mm. Tell us more about the Music Academy. So you have different instruments.
1: Yeah. We started off just voice, and then people would come in and they'd say, you know, do you teach guitar, piano? And we'd send them somewhere else, and then we went, wait, what are we doing? Um, and so we rebranded as a as a full music academy. Uh, so we, yeah, we have uh guitar uh, piano drums voice uh violin brass instruments we also teach uh, songwriting uh production recording
0: do you do any recordings. courses or summer schools or anything like that
1: you know we started off uh doing some some summer camps for young kids Uh, but I found that 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 was incredibly exhausting to not only our staff, but my facility. (laughs) And by the time I fixed all the equipment and just the chaos and et cetera. So we we don't do that, but we do have programs in place uh, to help with student retention. Uh, For instance, we this summer, we did a thing called summer sessions where everybody would go into the recording studio and work up a song and then record their song. Mm -hmm. And we strategically put that during the summer so that people would want to stay because otherwise they would, they would miss that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing we've done uh, here's a little business tip is, so we were working, we work with uh, homeschools. I don't believe you have that in the UK, but, but here people can take, people can um, school their children at home there's a state curriculum they follow, and they get funds from the state. And so we're a, an approved homeschool vendor, so they can. The state will pay for their lessons there. And we had told one of the parents, "Yeah, just get a little book to for the student to write their uh, homework in." And she called from the store and said, "These are a dollar. Do you guys not provide them?" And my first thought was, how cheap can you be? You're not going to spend a dollar? And then I went, wait a minute. Well, actually, my wife did. She went, wait a minute. Uh, this is obviously a, a pain point for parents. It's an annoyance. What if we just supplied all the books? So when they start, they get their music instruction book. They get their notebooks. They get their pencils, all of this, in a nice little book bag. And they get it for free. But we charge way more than anybody else. So, we give them and we tell parents when they finish their book, there'll be a, a new book waiting for them at the next lesson. It's all free, it's all included. I mean, what's that? Even at ba- you, you know, worst case scenario, it's going to cost me ten dollars every three or four months for a child that's highly accelerated. I'm, I'm charging way more than that.
2: Mm,
1: interesting, but, but I create this perception of value. Yeah,
0: what's that? It's the psychology of selling and buying. It's all
1: psychology. Mm. Yep. Yep. And my thing is, you know, we don't charge uh, registration fees and we don't charge for performances and all of these things. So we just tell you, this is the, this is the price. You'll never be charged more because parents get sick of being nickel and dimed.
0: Mm.
1: And I thought I'll make more money, not nickel and diming people.
0: Mm. So do they pay on a monthly basis or how yeah. do they pay?
1: Yeah, when when you're dealing with that many people, we we have a software system uh, that we put them into and they go into auto pay. There are, you do get those people who are resistant. So they can pay by check, but the check has got to be uh, in hand uh, before the end of the the previous month or they're not on our schedule.
0: Okay. And what sort of uh, policies do you have like with attendance and sickness and that?
1: Well, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, uh, because this is not going outside of this, I'm going to give you one of my, my best uh, business uh, discoveries, if you will, in terms of attendance and cancellation policies. Because as we all know, cancellation policies are the, the bane of our business. And we have to have them because we've set aside that time. But the psychology is people go nuts when they've paid for something that they don't get and even though they agree to it beforehand and oh yes i understand your policy when it comes time they're just they're pissed it's it's the rare person that goes i totally understand so what we do is we have a 24-hour cancellation policy if they cancel before that we will do a one-on-one makeup if they are unable to cancel in time what we have realized, uh, we used to do group makeup classes, people didn't like that, et cetera, is I have the 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 coach we call them or the teacher, do a video lesson for the student um, during that time. Maybe takes them five to ten minutes. We upload it to YouTube uh, as as an unlisted video, and we send the parent or the student uh, the link. And then that way, the person got something for their money. And so they, they as we say, you never lose your lesson. That's brilliant. And that has eliminated all of the stress because I'm, I'm going like, I don't know how to fix this policy. Mm. I have to have it or I'll go broke. Mm. But But people just get upset.
0: Mm.
1: And that has, I haven't had one complaint since.
0: Mm. That is brilliant. Let's say...
1: Absolutely golden nugget, that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <So> do <don't laughs> broadcast that one online. No. That's the best thing we've ever come up with. And I, I used to like th- that tortured me this because it's it's one thing in your studio. But when you're dealing with hundreds of students mm-hmm. and, and parents schedules, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. but I, and, and I would encourage you because as a voice teacher, when you're running your own solo studio, when you're first starting and you don't have an assistant or a front desk staff, it puts you in the position of being the bad guy. Mm. And you always want to be the positive person to your student. You don't mm. want to be the person going, well, sorry, I have to charge you for that. Cause that just emotionally, they're, they're frustrating
0: Mm-mm-mm. in that moment. Mm. I used to talk about the studio policy. Mm-hmm. Even though I was the studio and it was only I know. me there.
1: I know. We, you know. we say it's studio policy. Yeah.
0: And that will help me. Um, it helps. Yeah.
1: It, no, it, it all helps. But I think this, if you just go ahead and say, if somebody says, uh, I'm not feeling good, I can't make it, offer them a a, a Zoom or Skype or FaceTime lesson. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they can't do that, go, you know what? I'm going to record a video for you. Mm. That, and because
0: you're going to be sitting there anyway, so you're going to be sitting there anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you record the video, you're not going to do 30 minutes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You, give them, you give
1: them 10 minutes, and mm-hmm. then you can go you know your 20 minutes to catch up on your emails or mm. et cetera.:
0: I love it.: So from um, so recently you did a, a webinar, um, the Triangle of Teaching.
1: Yeah, the teaching triangle. Yeah, teaching
0: triangle. Sorry, um, the teaching triangle. Um, where you were talking about simplifying the process of figuring out what's going on, yeah, with voice and how you're going to address the issues. Um, how did you come up with that?
1: So uh, the the first training program I did was was a program called Voice Teacher Bootcamp. And I, I'd never done an online course before. And I made what turns out to be the typical rookie mistake. And you go, I'm going to create this course. The, the, the bigger I make it, the better. And it's, it's like writing your first novel and it's 1500 pages. And everybody looks at the book and goes, I'm not reading that. Uh, So it was, it was, it kind of came out as a brain dump, And even though some people found it really helpful, a lot of people were getting overwhelmed by it. So Mm -hmm. uh, about six months ago, I started tearing it apart, rebuilding a new course. And I was like, how do I really get this on a track that's really simple? And I started breaking down the elements of teaching and I was finding these patterns of three. And so I kind of went, wow, this kind of like fits into a triangle. And so I came up with the teaching triangle because everyone likes alliteration. Mm. And then I, um, and, and basically it's just a way, it's, it's a, a flow from one step of the lesson to the next, and uh, that, that kind of can help keep your focus if you feel yourself getting confused. Mm. Mm.
0: That's great. What do you think are some of the common mistakes new teachers make? What have you noticed? I
1: think one of the, the big mistakes is. Thinking that there's an absolute right answer at at any one time uh, in in the situation, you'll you'll hear something in the voice and you'll go, "Okay, I, I've I've got to fix that." And actually, it's it's more on a flow, um, if you will, or a spectrum, and there will be answers that are that are more likely correct and answers that are less likely correct, but. Part of getting the information where you are on the spectrum is you got to just try some things. So, you know, don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to stop for a second and think. Um, even if the student's standing there, you can just go, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me consider that. I think they'll appreciate that you're paying attention. Uh, you know, we're, we, we just get a little focused on, oh, my gosh, I've, I've got to fix, fix, fix. Mm. The other mistake, and in, in I've done this, is you, you try and fix too many things at once. And you really just got to kind of look at, you know what, what's kind of a primary problem here that I, and that I can give the student a bit of a win so that they leave feeling good about it. Um, If we get, if we correct a little too much, uh, the the student is going to leave feeling a little defeated or they can. Hmm. And every student's different. You, You will get those students and I've asked them if I sense it in them, okay, do you mind if I really push you? And those students, I'll hammer, and mm. they respond to it, but other students don't. Mm. So, so it's all, it all changes depending on the student in front of you and what their mood is at that moment, et cetera.
0: So how would you define good singing these days?
1: Uh, if I am emotionally uh, moved by, by the performance or if I am just musically engrossed by it. Mm.
0: Who, so who are the
1: artists that embody that for you at the moment? Oh, I always hate when I get asked that because <laughs> I go, you know, it just depends on uh, from song to song. I'm, I'm actually looking at doing a YouTube series where I break down uh, why I like particular vocal performances. Um, but I will tell you, for instance, I was, was working with somebody which was a whole odd thing. It was, this, um, it was a, a Japanese boy band that, that, yeah, I was supposed to somehow coach them to all sound like Wiz Khalifa, um, even though their English was, was a little problematic. That, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but one of them wanted to do uh, a Justin Bieber song, and I'm not really in Justin's demographic, so I haven't been spending a lot of time listening to Justin, and he he uh brought in um love yourself you know and and I'm listening to it, and it's not really that hard to sing and it's it's mostly in the lower register and the whole thing, but Justin's use of rhythm and accents and uh, I went this is just actually a great performance because the track was so sparse, it's just a very simple guitar mm-hmm. with just playing Uh, you know, some sparse chords, a lot of space in it. And he's nailing these, these 16th note syncopations where I'm like, this, this is why this thing has over a a billion views on YouTube. It's it's people, they don't know why they like a performance. They just do. But, but his, his, his accuracy and his way to make this simple song interesting by the interplay was just, I think a, a great performance.
0: In well, that'll be because he's a drummer.
1: Yep, yep. As I as I say, uh, you know, <laughs> Justin Bieber and I, we, we share a few things in common besides <laughs> besides boyish good looks and an amazing <laughs> head of hair. Is we both start started with the drums.
0: Yeah, and but, I uh, quite often have to get singers, uh, you know, who they're great singers, but they just their phrasing, their rhythm, their timekeeping. Yeah. Really needs work. Well, you
1: come from a jazz background, Mm. and a lot of times, when somebody comes in and tells me I sing jazz, I'm ready for. Okay, the technique's going to be questionable, but man, the style better be there. (laughs) It's you got to have rhythm, and you got to have phrasing in jazz. It's very unforgiving.
0: Yeah. Well, if you do it proper jazz, not just singing jazz. Yes. Yes. Correct. So Correct. What do you, what do you think's working well in, in singing pedagogy at the moment or teaching pedagogy uh, yeah singing teaching pedagogy I can't remember how to say that but you know what I mean. What do you think's working well at the moment?
1: I think the the embrace and understanding of teachers for uh, vocal acoustics And, you know, why these things work, why adjusting vowels suddenly allows you to go through your register shift um, without grabbing as opposed to other vowels, I I think is really helpful. And I I think it really helps people's ears. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I do like that there's the, the beginning of a dialogue between those from the traditional classical university World, and then uh, those of us who uh, are more uh, of—I call ourselves the 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 street rat voice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. teachers—that go through the experience of tons of performance and um, working on our own voices and studying with all different types of teachers, not within that that. I don't want to say bubble, that's not fair, but within that world. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, uh, the one thing that we can learn from that world is their academic process. We e- even very effective voice teachers will play a little uh, fast and loose with the facts. Oh, this is why this works. This is why this is like, no, hold on. Mm. Where, where are you referencing that from? Mm. Where, where did you get that information? You, you know, can I go see that information? Do you even know where you've learned that from?
0: Mm.
1: What's the basis for that? Is there a paper on that,
0: et cetera? Yeah. Um, so it's, you don't want to get too caught up in that side either because the science- No, not- you
1: don't. No, you can see, then you can go too far down that rabbit hole. Mm. And, and also there is a, I will tell voice teachers- going back to the business and is if you've gone through university and that's fantastic you've invested a lot of money you've invested a lot of time you've worked very hard and you get to put some initials out uh, behind, after your name when you go on your website those initials especially if you're working outside of the, the university system will mean almost nothing to the singer who's looking for somebody they Need you to fix a problem? Mm. I've got an audition coming up. Yeah, I'm a I'm a young singer. I've got to belt this this high G. I'm a baritone. I can't get this G. I go to one website. I've I'm in this organization. This organization. I have these initials after my name. I go to another website, and it's somebody with no initials who goes. This is how to fix your vocal break. This is how to sing a high G. That's who I'm going to. Mm. I need my problem fixed. Mm. you know remember singers it's about them
2: mm.
1: it, when you and so just and all of those things are great and you you should put it on your about you but but that's not what's going to bring you students mm. in in this in this world in this independent voice teacher world
0: mm. what are your thoughts on all the um youtube singing teachers who are getting <laughs> you know? Some people I have like quarter of a million followers yeah
1: uh, first of all, I applaud anybody who gets out there and puts out content and, and puts themselves into that rough and tumble world. And it, it, you know, if I could give anybody a superpower and I, I sometimes need it myself is to the ability to not care what others think. Mm-hmm. And it, some of them have really, really have that ability. And, um, yeah. Now, not all the teaching's great, but but some of it is and it's 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 interesting and um can somebody learn to sing from watching YouTube? Yeah, but not most people.
2: Mm.
1: But it but it does it, again it does create content, it does build their authority. And these these teachers become pretty well known.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know what they're doing, whether they're earning lots of money or whether it just looks good, you know?
1: Well, it depends. See, with that, you have basically two options. You can uh, create one-on-one situations and, and just have your, yourself teaching. I know one teacher, he's in a really small town here in the United States. I mean, just uh, I've never even heard of it. And yet because of his online presence, he just sits in his basement studio and teaches Skype lessons all day and gets people from all over the world because he's created enough authority online. Mm -hmm. And then some of those teachers, if they've um, created product, well then they have that to sell Mm -hmm. as well. And, and, and some of it, you know, the hype and the sales hype and the nonsense it's, I totally understand it. You know, when somebody says, uh, I'm the only one, I'm the best singer, so I'm the would, the best voice teacher. Well, you know that that's n- not necessarily true at all. Mm. However, to the public, that makes total sense.
2: Mm.
1: You know, so I, I don't begrudge anybody saying that from that level of sales, as long as they don't believe in their heart, it's mm. true. Wow, who cares? It's well,
0: not true. Yeah. So another thing that's coming out of that, and this has happened to me, Um, just recently in the magazine actually where people like that then believe they have the authority to go and criticize and actually almost defame other
1: singing. Oh yeah I I know I can instantly think of a couple of people um, that you're talking about yeah there's there's one particular person who actually never criticized me, but would go on my pages and just start tear, tearing up people who dared to venture an opinion. And I said, dude, please just stay off of my stuff, man. Mm. Uh, you're, you're not, you're not the, the voice knowledge police. I don't know where you think you have your authority. Mm. Uh, you seem like a pretty smart guy, but I just don't like your, your style. Mm. Uh, however, that is a way to build, um, an online presence is if you want to go on and become the critic, you, you will quickly build an audience. It's just not how I prefer to do
0: things. No, no, I will. If you're, I'm very much about community and sharing yeah. and nurturing and, and that, so it, it, I get, that's so. I think that's the longer game. Mm-hmm. I think if you want to get
1: into it and, and get yourself a name very quickly by criticizing others and tearing things down, Oh yeah, you're going to find your audience. But mm-hmm is that truly an engaged audience? Is that an audience that really wants to learn? Is that an audience you want to hang out with and talk mm-hmm. to? Yeah.
0: Good question. So tell us um, how people can engage with your staff and what you've got at the moment and what we can be looking forward to. And Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, my website is johnhenney.com. Uh, also uh, my podcast is the Intelligent Vocalist podcast podcast. Um, And on that, I will just sit with a mic and just ramble about a different topic for for about 18, 20 minutes uh, per episode. And that's an interesting one. I I started that for singers, and I've I've actually got a lot of voice teachers listening to it, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which I still try and keep it for singers because I don't want to just be talking to voice teachers, but I've got a decent audience there. But you can find the podcast on my website as well. I've got um, the New Science of Singing course that's available there and I've got uh, my voice teacher academy on there as well that you can get information. I'm not on.
0: Sure. I think we might and if we don't maybe you'll you'll be happy to offer some sort of discount to BAS members for any of those things.
1: Oh yeah yeah I'll, I'll get you something yeah. Put you on the spot. <laughs> yep yep.
0: Of course if you said no I could have edited that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So um, all right so It's been really great chatting to you. I know we always manage to have nice long chats and this is a bit of a short one in comparison, isn't it? Yep. Um, Is there any last words you would like to share with teachers out there who are doing their best to be helping their students?
1: You know what? The just remember a key part of this whole process is time and, and you, you, you can't rush it. If, if you're here, you're you're in the right place. You're you're getting the right knowledge. You're getting science based knowledge. You're not getting voodoo voice uh, methods. So you're getting a solid grounding, and then it's just uh, working with your students and just being just being empathetic, uh, being open to what their needs are, while also guiding them, taking control, and just just know that the more you do this, the better you will get. It's it ultimately, it's not incredibly difficult. It just takes, it just takes time and, and some focus and mm. you'll, you'll, you'll get there. And if you're already kind of there, you'll keep getting better.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks yeah. very much for joining us for this podcast. Thank you. We look forward yes. to hearing your, well, actually, I've already been watching your podcast because you put them on Facebook, don't you?
1: Oh yeah, when I'm recording them, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll do those sometimes. Yeah, I'll put out yeah. the live just to just to make myself even uh, put more pressure on myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for everything that you're doing for the singing teaching community. And uh, oh, we'll thank you. You, you as well. Uh, see you in the yeah. uh, Facebook group, and um, I'm sure we will hear from you again at some point. We'll catch up maybe in the next uh, next twelve months to see where you're at. Very good. What Love new it. project you've decided to take on? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you don't have enough to do. <laughs> no, no. All right, thanks, John.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye.
2: Bye.